Hey guys, um, so here's the deal. I have my journal breakdown. I will read the overall one at the beginning, and then I'll go through one area and um, for each probably, I don't know, trip. So I'll probably get through two today. Um, so the personal referee journal, um, the overall, the goal of this is to log your personal reflections of your game after performing so as to be brutally honest with yourself. Having another perspective, such as a CMO, or coaching of match officials, is not always available, or ever, really. So putting in time to reflect and be honest with yourself is an excellent tool for improving your own process as well as identifying flaws in law knowledge. Okay, so ba you guys, if you don't understand that, I can't help you. Um, so basically, I have three things. I have your, your name, the date of the match, and the teams. I have the setting, communication, open play and positioning, Scrums, lineouts, breakdown, management, and then overall. Okay, so on this trip, I'm going to talk about what I meant by the setting and probably get into communication. Um, now, you'll notice there are difference, differences in communication. It's not just communication, it's communication and management is in there as well. Ooh, why is that, you might say? Um, because I view communication as nonverbal communication. I'll get into that more later. But um, I view communication as everything we are doing, as in the moment like we've talked about, the moment you walk onto the pitch from there on. And it's um, yeah, how that communicates to the other teams. All right. You're golden. On the road again. So what I wrote down, and I wrote this for a fellow referee who was interested in how I journaled um, the setting. In this area, I explain all external factors involved in the game, caliber of teams, weather, pitch conditions, who decided to pick, kick, kick or pick a side, my mental and physical preparation, number of games on the day, skill level, and how the game went in a summary. Now, I don't have an example. Um, I don't know where the heck my files are, to be honest. I don't think I ever printed them out, and they probably got lost somewhere when I delete on my computer or something, whatever. Anyways, um, the situation that I found myself in, in a lot of cases, was I had to do multiple games during a day, um, so that's a factor. Um, you know, just weather, pitch, you take a jog around the pitch when you first get there, you know, you get your boots on and you're walking around the pitch, you walk across the pitch as you get on, you know, whatever. You're like, okay, for example, um, one tournament that I was at um, was a St. Bonaventure Sevens tournament. And um, it was like we were supposed to kick off at 8 o'clock. Like three teams dropped out because it was so miserable and cold and it snowed like three inches before. So me and like three other referees got there on time. And we were just like, okay. So basically, we're going to push the starting time back because we can't play sevens in three inches of snow. I mean, you can, but it sucks ass. And it's like a turf field, so they had like these snow plows, not these little diggers just pushing stuff over. So, okay, I would write in there. It was uh, 20 degrees. There was three inches of snow on the ground. And um, we started an hour late. Three teams dropped out. You know, we're going to get less games, but we're going to do just fine. Got some frostbite from that, actually. It's not fun. Um, <clears throat> anyways, just kind of one of those things that it's just like, that's the setting. It's overall setting. Um, 
whether you have a coach watching you. I mean, basically, any overall details looking back on the game. Um, for example, it could be saying, hey, the wind was blowing left to right on the pitch very strongly. Uh, the team adapted and used that to their kicking game. Or, I don't know, you could probably think of a thousand things. I mean, they'll keep popping up to me as I go in. Um, the other thing that I will do is <clears throat> I'll do a slight overview of the whole game. So if one team, say, you know, black was very dominant and blue, while blue had a superior scrum, black was superior in every other aspect of the game and controlled and dictated the, the game. Um, that's it. You know, just something like that, just to be like, all right. Yeah, that's kind of the easy one. That's that's really like an easy one. I'm not really gonna settle too much on that. It's, it, there's really nothing that's self-critical about that. It's just like, hey, if you took a snapshot of the game, somebody would understand a little bit more detail than just, hey, I refereed a rugby game today. Um, another factor that might come into play is how far you to drive there, because no matter how often we drive, driving is still mental focus. For example, if I had a kickoff at like 11 o'clock in Binghamton, I've got to drive three and a half hours to get there. As I'm from Buffalo, New York, it's like I've got to drive quite a ways to get there. So I remember I did a sevens tournament there one time, and I drove there in the morning. And the sevens tournament started at like 8 in the morning. So I had to leave at like 4 o'clock to get there at 7.30 or something like that. You know, But it was a very early morning for me, and by the end of the day, me and Sean McKenna, Sean was like, I'm having a better day than you. I'm going to take this game. And I'm like, take it. I'm exhausted. You know, <laughs> just from not having the sleep, from getting up early, from doing all that stuff. It wasn't a physical question. It was just he was mentally sharper because he was, he's an old hand at it. And he went and got a hotel room. And I was like, fuck, I should have gotten a hotel room. That would have been better. But that's the way it goes. You live and learn. Um, how far are you to drive? Um, what's been going on? Just the overall kind of, you could say here, I've been getting over a cold, or I've got the flu, or whatever the heck, or I got up at halftime, or anything. Um, just the overall snapshot. We'll <sighs> see how the game went, you know, what the score was, you know. Details that don't really matter to your self-improvement, these are the details that might say, hey, it was raining, and it was a forwards game. Anyways, moving on. I'm going to read this next section while driving, which is incredibly illegal. Um... Slowing down. Okay. The second one that I did, um, and these are in really no particular order other than settings and overall. Like, I don't really care what you focus on. Usually I would go through it and kind of, like, type a couple sentences or just write down a couple sentences and then go back over it. Um, so I wrote communication. This area concerns whistle tone, motions, voice, how effectively all the tools used to change player behavior were employed. How did the players respond when you used your voice? Was there a clear whistle motion then mark? Was it correctly and confidently done? Any significant trends identified? Um, how did you talk or manage off the ball? Was your whistle tone clearly identified between scrum, kickoff whistle, try, and penalty kick? Or knock on whistle, duh. Um, how was your communication overall? This is not limit. This is not limited to nonverbal communication. But how crisp 
your hand signals, whistles, etc. work. So I, I dabble a little bit into you know management there, um, which is fine because they're very closely related. The main focus of communication, though, was how overall were we, how effective were we overall, and how do we get change player behavior? Because that's the goal. That is the goal. The goal is to have a great game of rugby, but to change player behavior and say that's not good enough. Um, basically, nonverbal stuff is the main chunk of overall communication. Management is how you're talking to the players, what you're saying to them. But actually, no, I, I, I think communication is everything. Management is how did we, how were we effective? And management's probably the, the meat of the lesson. Communication is you're going to communicate no matter what you do. How effective were you at it? And management is more how did we effectively change player behavior. Um, more along the trends line, more along the, hey, I got buy-in from my seven, seven, I need you to keep your feet a little more or something like that. Um, a lot of this, a lot of the overall communication stuff, the nonverbal communication, um, is just practice and doing it in front of a mirror. I am often criticized for not doing my secondary signals because I forget them, mix them up, don't do them in the moment. I've got different things on my mind, whatever. It's There's various reasons why I don't do them. So I focused on that. I wrote down the five top penalties that I blew up. I think offsides not rolling away, tackler not releasing the ball carrier, ball carrier not releasing the ball, and not rolling away. And I went in front of my mirror. I put my finger over the um, top of my whistle, over the, the hole in my whistle, and I gave a full throated blast. Now, the thing is, it doesn't, it's just a the, the pee rattling around and stuff like that or whatever. It doesn't work. So it still gives you all the effect except the ear-piercing screech, which happens in your apartment or your house and probably pisses your neighbors off. So basically, you're replicating everything. You are visualizing a penalty. You are visualizing a player diving over the tackle and losing his feet in the tackle. You know? I don't care which hand you hold your whistle in, blow it that way. Even close your eyes or whatever. But, like, you know, look at, you know, once you blow the whistle and do your mar- whistle motion mark, then open your eyes and see where your body position is. Tweak it a little bit. See how you could improve it. See how you could make it a bit more. Like, some people are so rigid about it. Some people are so, like, they're, they're, they're like, they have a stick up their ass and they're, they're like, okay, I have to do this exactly. My chest must be puffed out. I must be presenting this and pretend like I am, I don't know. I don't even know what you're pretending to be like. Um, it's tiny little tweaks like this that make it look good. And the whole thing is make it look good. You know, in every career I've ever had, it's always make it look good. Whether you're presenting, acting, um, fixing, just make it look good. Um, so tweak it, make it look good. Take a picture of it and say, Hey, how does this compare to the, um, pictures in the IRB app or whatever. Um, and that's a good thing to go off of. They have very clear perspectives on what, you know, people do. It's what they should look like. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, 
So the, those are the nonverbals that I'm talking about. Also, you can practice your whistle because you can still get the tone. It's just a whisper of it compared to the th- full-throated blast that you obviously don't want to do in your apartment unless you have the ability to do that. Um, practice your penalty kick. Practice how you're going to motion for scrums. Everything should have the calm assurance that comes with confidence. If you don't have confidence with what you're calling, and this is just practice. Practice is, you know, just gives you that confidence in your previous results. Okay? If your whistle is not loud enough, get a different whistle or blow a little bit harder. I remember I had this one tiny little whistle. I don't know why I got it. Maybe I just ordered the wrong size or something like that, but it was like a tiny, tiny little tweed bird whistle. And for three coaches in a row, they all looked at me and said, get another whistle. That's a crap whistle. You sound like Tweety Bird out there. Excuse me. And it was like piercing. It was bad. And I remember hearing that. And I'm like, oh, I'm like hearing a recording of it. I was like, that sounds awful. You know, so I went and I bought like five whistles. They're like 10 bucks. They're dirt cheap. And, you know, you go make an investment and you buy three of them. You'll never need another whistle. Depending on how much you referee. Um, so your whistle is very important. Um, the tone of your whistle and the presentation that you're going about it. Um, the other thing I mentioned in there, or one of the things that I mentioned in there is um, talking off the ball. Okay, now there's a, there's a thing here where you can... If you, if you think about penalties, okay? Now, I'm not talking about the mentality of penalties. I'm not talking about anything... I'm just saying <coughs> there's different ways to manage it, okay? There's obviously materiality, which is a whole other animal that I will get into later. Um, You're on code. Woo! Ah, excuse me. Um, materiality. No, we're, back. we're skipping up. There is materiality to keep into effect. So the thing is, if you're blowing up every single thing that possibly could be a penalty... What is going to happen to the rugby game? You are communicating very clearly that you don't care about the rugby game. You care about your getting it right, which is, should be secondary. Getting it right is very important. If there's, an, if there's a very obvious call, like, for example, if, if a winger is offsides and the ball went the completely opposite way and he's one step offsides and your AR mics it in and says, Tim, it's offsides. Tim, 11 black offsides. Now, if the ball didn't go that way and he's not cheating up or really doing anything, he's just six inches off sides, is this the right call to make? I'm, I'm going to say no very boldly. It's not material in that situation. If he does it twice or three times or whatever, he does it enough, you could just be like, the next time you're at that line out, you just say, hey, 11. Do me a favor, just watch the onsides. Just one more step. He's, my, he's, he's on top of you, so just there's no point in cheating. Cheating up. Not cheating. Don't say the word cheating. Um, man, this guy really went 20 miles an hour. The whole friggin' way. Um, yeah, so I, I think that that's a great example of this is an immaterial. Is it a penalty? Yes. Is the guy offsides? Yes. Should it be penalized? No. Not at all. But what you can do is you can manage it. 
You can manage it. You can, you can either ignore it. It's not creating an impact in the game. He wasted his time. He did nothing to impact the game. Now, if the ball had gone that way and he was offsides and it was a clear advantage, then you blow him up. If he's a good meter offsides and he's creeping up and he's way off the line crazy early, that's a penalty. I have no problem with this. But you have to look at it overall and say, did this happen? Did the, was this an impact? Um, so there's a quick snapshot into materiality. Um, yeah, I think that's the big thing, just the overall communication that you're getting through. Um, and again, look at the overall picture. If you're saying, I'm going to penalize every tiny little thing, guess what? The game's going to get suffocated, and nobody's going to breathe and enjoy the game. That's just how it works. So if you're letting certain things go that are immaterial and managing it off the ball, which is what I meant by that, um, saying, hey, 11, one more step on the offsides, please. Captain, we've had a couple worrisome kind of steps on the offsides. We need to fix that. You know, stuff like that that is kind of like you're nudging them in the right direction. You're getting the player change behavior without using your whistle. You're using your voice to greater effect. What that does is it says to them, the communication that it says to them is, hey, guys, um, I'm on to you. I know what's going on. Let's not do it anymore. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, that's not good enough is what he's saying. Let's fix it. So that's the basic gist on communication, guys. I might go more into that or I might go to the next one. But I'm at work. I'll talk to you guys later. Hey, guys. It is Saturday evening. Five. Ten. Oh. <clears throat> I don't know why, but I was really dragging today. Maybe it's just the second day after coming back from time off and you got to drag and, you know, get your ass through the mud. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, today, yeah, I just wasn't feeling it. But, you know, you get through it, you get it done, you, you try to make people smile and make people look good. So, you know, it's something about being a perfectionist. I'm not an overall perfectionist, but there are certain areas where it's like I'll always pick something out negative. <laughs> And, um, yeah, that's just a challenge for me. So, there's always something that I don't like. So, I talked about, so, going back, I talked about, um, setting and communication. Um, holy crap, man, that was a big yawn. Um, yeah, setting and communication, um, setting is the overall snapshot of the game if you were walking into the game you would find as much information as you could without knowing you know how you felt about it whatever it's just bang how did the game go bang um, communication is overall communication using everything mostly focusing on nonverbal communication because you're not you are managing that way but mostly there's the overall snapshot of communication as a whole how did you communicate how effective were you at communicating um, yeah pretty much that um, next one for me is open play and positioning <clears throat> Now, again, these are not in, order, in any specific order. These are just thrown on there as I remembered them. 
Uh, open plane positioning. This area is self-explanatory, but don't forget to include your work rate. Work rate is the number one area CMOs look for in improving referees. If you are working hard to get to the play and are able to convince the players that you are working hard, getting buy-in is very easy from there. Do you, can I read that again? Just so you guys... If you are working hard to get to the play and are able to convince the players that you are working hard, getting buy-in is very easy from there. I, do you, I, I'll read it again if you want me to, but that's a really good one. If you are busting your ass and expending everything you can to get there and make the best call and see the things that you can see, it's so much easier from there. It's so much easier. Now, it's going to look different for everybody, but you need to convince them. And basically, the easiest way to convince them is to work hard. Shocking. I know. Um, when looking at your possession, position, when looking at your positioning, it is best to have a basic idea of where you want to stand and how you want to go. Um, sorry. Where you want to stand and what you can see. Sorry, I'm reading as I'm driving and it's not ideal um, so I'm trying to stay alive as well um, where you want to stand and what you what you see from there now one easy way to do this I'm gonna go through this and kind of go back to it just because I think reading for a long period of time he's <sighs> not wise and I lose it um, when you're talking positioning there are a few main positions and really the whole goal of positioning is to see as much as possible while getting out of the way and being prepared to move to the next phase. Okay? That's the main goal of positioning. See as much as possible. Being out of the way and being prepared to move to the next phase. You know? If just that's pretty much it. You know, that's your that's your whole kit and caboodle of positioning. If you're doing those three things well, you're really doing okay. Um, now, one thing that you can think about is you want to approach the breakdown. Now, this is another thing of preparing and things like that, but if you're able to, I don't know, take a sheet of paper, get on a dry erase board, do whatever you want to do, draw a circle, make it the breakdown, make it, put an arrow in the direction saying, team's running this way. Where do you want to approach it from. Now, this is very helpful. If you run these three things through in your mind, or like three or four things through in your mind, you really will begin to understand if you tie this in with the tackle process. So you want to approach from what is just called a 45-degree angle. Okay, if there's a circle, and there's a line straight through the center of the circle, hi, buddy. Um, there's a line straight through the center of the circle, go east to west. North is the way the play goes, south is the way the negative tackle, whatever. Does that make sense? You want to approach it from a southern 45 degree angle, southeast or southwest. Whichever way you're coming from, you want to approach it from a 45 degree angle. Then you want to start going through your tackle process. And this is all about visualization. I'm approaching the tackle, I'm seeing the tackle, tackled player taken down by a player there's an arriving player who did not have hands on him as he goes to ground puts his hands on the ball he's coming from the correct angle he's maintaining feet what's the next step 
Nothing. Play on. Let's see if he survives the clean-out. Otherwise, he's got rights to the ball. You know, just run that through in your head. Okay, pause. This is great for watching a rugby game as well. You get to a point where you see the play, you see it stop, you hit spacebar, you pause it, and you look at the game. Where do I want to approach from? What's going to happen here? Now, this is going into tackle process, but that's all part of this. This is important to understand the overall when you arrive at play, you need to have a game plan. You need to have the first two steps just to get yourself rolling in your mind so that, hey, here's the snapshot of the picture. Tackle player has been taken to ground and held to ground. There was no tackler as he kept his feet. He was not a tackler. He's on the right side of the ball, but he's lost his feet and he's still playing on the ball. What am I going to do next? I'm going to shout, leave it six. Leave it black six or blue six or whatever. If he continues to play the ball, there's your penalty. Losing penalty, you know, and in your mind, you want to run through as many many of these possibilities as possible. Put yourself in different situations. If there's a line out at the five meter, where are you going to be? You know, I should slow down. do the best you can to really think about every situation as to where you want to be, where you want to be the next phase, and where do you think the team play is going to go. Um, if you can really start to at least role play a couple ideas of where you think it's going to go, it really helps you out a lot. Excuse me. And um, that's more for positioning than anything. Where do you think the play is going to go? Where is the next phase going to go? So if you're thinking along those lines, that's really helpful in positioning. Next bit. Um, In this previous game, was there a moment when you were out of position? How did kicks in open play go? Where or when did you find yourself seriously behind play? How did you feel fitness-wise in the 20th minute or the 75th minute? The first priority is get out of the way. If you are impacting play negatively, don't be there. So this is just a questionnaire to kind of look at it and be like, all right, let's think about overall. Was there a moment that stood out in your mind where you were like, I didn't like that moment? Or I didn't have, I was this, it was a driving mall and I was got caught behind it or on the wrong side of it. And, you know, in a driving mall, there's only so much you can see. You can't be omniscient and see everything and see people's intentions. So you got to just do what you can. But there was a driving mall that went into the tri zone and went down, and I wasn't in a great position to see because I got caught behind whatever. You know? Okay, stop, pause. When you have those moments that stick in your mind, like a little bit of grit, you're like, mm, I didn't like that too much. That's a golden opportunity to stop, ask somebody around you, ask me, ask your CMO, ask whatever, what is the best position to do this in? Where should I be? What's the best idea to be at? You know, what, when should I? <clears throat> when should I move? When should I? You know, another thing that always tripped me up: kicks in open play. You know, I basically got the gist of it. But how were kicks in open play? What was I looking for? What was I seeing? You know, was I behind the ball? Was I in the? You know, 
How is an air contest? How do I want to filter through that? All of these things, what they do is they pick out certain areas that you're struggling in, which is perfectly normal, or at least even just one area where you're like, I wasn't sure about the law on that. I went this way, but let me go back to the law book and find it. And taking this attitude of constantly improving and constantly just looking at it and saying, I need to get better, um, it's it's really funny because there's always going to be some coach who comes up to you at the end and say, well, you screwed this law. If you screw up a law, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's no questions. Um, then you'll get to a point where you are in that awkward situation and the, the, the coach or somebody will come up saying, sir, you screwed this law. And I think it's a great opportunity to own to the fact that you are one person doing the job. You don't have everything that you'd like to have, and you don't have a mathematician in your head with the logbook, the law book. So, whatever. But it's a great time to look at the coach and be like, Coach, you're absolutely right. I was going to look that up. I wasn't entirely sure in the game, so I just made the call. Um, but what was the law? And let me help. If you could help me figure that out, that would be great. You know, it's a great chance to be like, you know what? I wasn't sure about that myself. I would really appreciate some help. Thanks, coach. And you're away. All of a sudden, you looked at the coach and said, instead of, you know, using me versus you language, you've used inclusive language, and you got the coach on your side. Because guess what? The coach is the first to say he's not perfect, and the referee's not going to be perfect. Hopefully, he's that guy. Um, but it's a great point to be like, hey, you're right. I might have screwed that one up, but I, I made the call with the best information that I had, um, and I, I screwed that one up. But other than that, really, you just want to kind of pick yourself out and be like, all right, how did I overall feel in the game fitness-wise? Did I feel up to speed? Did I feel like I was behind the plate? Did I feel that I have moments where I zoned out? You know, what, what, at what time did I zone out if I have a chance to look at the clock? Um, at what points were my, you know, standard slipping? At what point was my fitness a factor? You know, there's a lot of different things you can work into there. But open play and positioning is really just when you have those moments that stick in your mind and they didn't work the way you wanted them to, those are great moments to just be like, yep, let's work on that. Okay, let's take a snapshot of where that was, what happened then, and go from there and try to improve. Um, yeah, I think that's a really important one just because it's really um, very blatantly your willingness to improve. If you're unwilling to improve, this is one area where you're going to be like, my work rate was spectacular. No, it wasn't. You had moments where you zoned out. You had moments where you had a brain fart. It's okay. As long as you're willing to look at it and be like, I can get better. This is the way to get better. You have to be honest. And you have to move that way. So, But guys, guess what? I just pulled into my house. So I will... Um, I got tomorrow off and then I'll be back on Monday. So I will... Um, yeah, I may have fast. I'll chat with you guys soon. See you later.